Greetings, valued poll listeners, listeners, listeners. We're workshopping it. We'll figure it out. You tell us. Welcome we've got to comics. Ed- we've got issues. You <laughs> new tagline. Uh, thanks to Hector. This is episode eighty-nine of the Poll List Podcast. A pod, a podcast. Of course, it's a podcast. A bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Borier, and with me, as always, I'm not really sure if it's my name. It's been one of those weeks. You know how it is. You know how it yep. be. Um, is that guy? His name's Hector. He's kind of all right. Hi. We hang out with him. He's like, hey. Hey guys! Hi everyone. Hi. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be one of those days. So strap yourselves and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. That's where they put in the really weird graphic over like our faces swirling. Um, so that production team does a really bang up job. Yeah, because if you're listening to us on the podcast, you you straight up miss like the artistry that our our folks do for us. But here we are, another day in comics. Another day having lots of issues. Uh, on today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our poll recommendations from the past two weeks, because we are back in the swing of things. And we're going to talk about our new favorite number ones, which there was a lot of number ones this week, and I have that habit of just filling my I technically list. got no number ones. Technically? <gasps> technically. technically. Oh, no. It's true, but you're going to have to wait to the back half of the podcast to uh, find out what on earth Hector's talking about. But he is technically accurate, which is the best form of accurate. And what are the other forms of accurate? Um, that was a Futurama reference. How dare you? I listen. Matt Gray owning got my attention for like elementary school and nothing passed. <laughs> That's super valid, I suppose. But yeah, no, it's a bureaucracy joke. Ha. Um, but this is the Polis Podcast. We talk about comics and issues. So I'm now back in my news closet uh, back at Startup Columbus where we did a lot of earlier episodes of the show. Not the first episodes, but kind of like the middle of our show. So that's why it looks like I'm in a small box because I – Kind of am. But it's got cool stuff and a microphone and it allows me to work. So we're going to do the thing. So we can talk about some news. There's not a lot of crazy things going on because comics were coming out of the summer. Uh, San Diego has already happened. We already kind of talked about that. Nothing really happened there. Um, New York Comic Con will come up in a little bit. Some other shows that kind of round out the end of the season will come up. Maybe we'll get some news. But industry things are kind of ebbing right now, um, for better, worse, and different. And you've heard us talk about it. If you stare at your at the wall in your comic shop, you might know why. Um, it's just been kind of bare, sparse, sparse. different, sparse. Yeah. Sparse is probably a better word for it. Um, but... I want to talk about our good friends over at Bad Idea um, because they have another bad idea. <laughs> and it's like some of my favorite slash indifferent parts of what they've done in creating this comic book company. But they were like, we're going to do a Kickstarter because that's what people do. We do comics, question mark. So the people that brought you donuts to conventions and other things that are absolutely comic book aligned have – purported that they're going to launch what they're calling like one of the biggest um, creative teams like ever for this project. And I have to pull it up because I could not remember literally all of the creatives that are on this project, but their concept was that I believe they have a writer um, that has basically this really big idea and it's called the ends. And I don't know a whole lot about it. So that's one of those, you know, go to the website but here are the people that are going to work on this project with them. Okay. Brian Bendis, Jason Aaron, Ed Brubaker, Mark Wade, Jerry Dugan, Tony Daniel. I believe Robert Venditti is in there. Matt Kent. 
two or three others. <laughs> so there you go. Um, probably one of your favorite writers slash artists is in there somewhere. Um, and they launched this giant Kickstarter, which was going to be multiple issues to bring this to a digital and a physical print. And a bunch of the Bad Idea fans and a bunch of other people literally lost their ever-loving mind for 24 hours, told them, hey, this is a bad idea, no pun intended, and they changed the Kickstarter within the first 24 hours. So a few things occurred that are interesting to me. A, they kickstarted a project that they normally would have just released, um, but that's kind of the jam of comic books right now. Because you can basically get your money up front for a project and then release it, right? Um, yeah, it takes the it takes the potential failure or correct. actual quality accountability out of your project. What a concept! And a lot of folks do this in tabletop as well. That it's a great way to be able to basically create the thing and then deliver a thing, um, and not have to worry about a stupid amount of money to produce a thing. Uh, so Kickstarter has a love hate relationship with creatives, but I do from time to time look at examples where I go, that's pretty great, or that's at least an interesting use of it. But one thing you almost never see, I won't say never, because I know people that have made adjustments in Kickstarters, especially on the tabletop side, that they do the thing of, we have heard you. And this is what they did, is I think it was something between the digital and the full physical release of the book. They were basically like, now nah, we need to make a change here. And so they did. So they went through the somewhat laborious and painful process of pulling down a Kickstarter to put up a new one um, so that it Ooh. could be right. Yeah. No. Um, I was like, that's a thing. You did a thing there. And they're like, you know what? We heard you. You're right. We fixed it. It should be MoBeta now. And I just dig com companies that listen because it means they're paying attention to their fans, but it also means they want to deliver the right thing the right way. So that idea continues to be a pretty decent one. <laughs> um, they do some kind of off the wall things, but that's one of those. I think they're actually doing a really heavy marketing push. So be on the lookout. I might just get Dinesh and Adam in because they were fishing for shows. So I'm going to be like, hey, boys, <laughs> time to cash that check. Uh, maybe have them come in and tell us a little bit about what they're doing and, and what they're up to. Dinesh is a really fun guy to talk comics with in general. Adam has been on the marketing side and customer engagement side for a moment and is also one of my favorite people that both of them, while they were at Valiant, made me into a Valiant fan for a reason. Um, so we'll work on that, see if we can possibly do that by next episode or at least in the next couple, because I think they'd be a fun conversation, especially industry side, because they are purposely trying to break some rules right now. Um, and they're just fun to talk to. No lies. <laughs> um, Dinesh is a comic book nerd. That guy just buys stuff and nerds out on comics, and it's why he's fun to have around. So bad idea. Maybe okay. a good idea? question mark um my next set sounds like a michael scott sales pitch yeah i know right yeah paper no anyway um scott pilgrim the anime really i got no response out of hector which means are you okay are you i'm <laughs> i am on the fence just because uh the first trailer literally just looks like a shot for shot of the movie mm-hmm and I was hoping for post movie or uh, there's like a million years of graphic novel material. Yes. And I would have just appreciated something that would have been more than them where they because I mean, because they're advertising the original cast. Yes, correct. From the movie. Yep. And I'm like, at this point, you could just dub the movie <laughs> and put animation over it, which yeah. is what they did with the supernatural anime. So the good news it, is I don't think that's what's happened here, but we'll see. I mean, it still absolutely could happen, right? Um, but Scott Pilgrim kind of sets in that special place in a lot of comic book nerds' hearts because, you know, we we definitely identify. And it's going to be a Netflix property. comes out in November, but they've just done their kind of first trailer releases. And they told us that, yes, all of the voice acting are going to be done by their original counterparts from the movie. 
Um, so hopefully they give us something other than the movie. Super valid point. Um, but it's fun that they're all back. Like, I dig that. Oh, I dig that too. But and if you've watched over COVID, um, they actually got on Zoom and did read-throughs and stuff like that. And nice. Scott Pilgrim is easily one of my top 10 all-time favorite films. Um, I got to like reevaluate my life. It might be in my top five. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I haven't good. looked at that in a minute. But the thing is, because I care, Aww. because it is that important, mm. like I look at this with a tra- like uh, a hefty uh, amount of caution. Um, yeah, just because you know it's a property. Like Netflix does not have the best uh, track record for turning anime into live action, and so I think on the reverse side. I don't know how much confidence I have in them turning live action into anime. That's fair. <clears throat> I mean, so, it's a it's a lofty goal for some, so we will see. The if they stick toward, I think to your point, if they stick towards what the graphic novels did, maybe they'll be okay. Because at least we have additional content to pull from. The animation is in that flavor. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a wait and see, like a lot of things. I genuinely enjoyed the video game, and that was a nice little additional nice. Uh, touch. But I am excited about it. I will be there day one. I will watch the entire thing in one sitting. Um, I guess not really a question. Um, and I guess on anime news, too, uh, the One Piece live action drops in like two weeks or less. <laughs> With only 47,000 episodes. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, it, I just I just don't get the point, Netflix. Like, um, and here here's the thing. I just started One Piece. Um, my daughter and I started One Piece like about a month ago. See, I, like, I just can't do it because I know a, a thousand. How many episodes? One thousand sixty-seven. Who's counting? <laughs> um, but here's here's the thing. Somebody's like, it's just seventeen days. Uh, content. Um, but. And so I started it, and because, you know me, I'm kind of a weeb, I was like, I started it in Japanese, and one of my friends is like, stop it. Do not do that. And I was like, why? He's like, trust me. Go back and watch it in English. Um, and it's because it's all it's all the familiar faces. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Chris Sabat is one of the main characters. Yeah. Um, Sonny Strait, who plays Krillin, who's like my all-time favorite, uh, is also a main character. Um, Android 18 and Young Trunks is Luffy. And then you'll start to recognize people from everywhere. But it's, right. the story's solid. But here's here's the thing that I just don't understand. Uh, if it's costing them projectedly $18 million per episode. <laughs> 1,600 and how many times what? Yeah, I'm like, y'all can't afford this. <laughs> I'm like, this is literally like Netflix is sitting down at the table and ordering every expensive thing on the menu, knowing good and well they're going to kick them out by the appetizers. That's fair. And everything that's in the trailer for season one is in the first 50 episodes of the anime because I just finished the first 50 episodes of the anime. Um, And so they took one season, squeezed 50 anime episodes into it, and it cost them $18 million per episode. That's not sustainable. You can't keep this going. And I'm just like, why start this? But I'm actually, uh, I'm writing a devotional on, I think I just did it on Faith and Fandom 180 for the LTN radio as well, that uh, like the concept of eternity always scared me because it was bigger than I could understand. Mm. And just like One Piece scares me because it's more than I think I can watch. And it's just, it's a big old chunk. Valid. It's a, it's a big old chunk. That's it's why I'm just like, I don't know if I want to do this. I started watching Fairy Tale once upon a time and looked at the total count and I went, I don't know if I could do it, bro. <laughs> well, it's, they were just so like, uh, and I saw a meme the other day. You remember the D.A.R.E. program from the 90s? Yeah. Like the drugs program? Yeah. yeah. Don't do drugs, except they tell us everything we know about drugs. Yeah, them. Um, so D.A.R.E. <laughs> Was this terrible? Not a terrible program. The the 90s were weird. Um, it's still uh, out there. A, I, saw a dare, I saw a dare vehicle recently. Wow. 
Yep. So Dare is a program that would show up in public schools and tell kids not to do drugs. Don't do drugs, and, kids. Um, uh, and I saw a meme this week that said, Dare lied to me. I've been <laughs> far more pressured to watch One Piece than I have to buy drugs. <laughs> yes, I know what's in And I'm like, fair and accurate. Fair and accurate. That's accurate. But bro, have you started One Piece? Don't, oh. Don't be that way. Oh, and, and news, Blue Beetle came out. Yeah. Um, you, do do yeah. we have Hector's uh, quick? Sure. Yeah. Well, here um, we are. We're going to talk about it because then I'm going to say things about James Gunn after this. So, oh boy, here we go. Um, so, uh, Blue Beetle happened. <laughs> uh, I and by the time y'all are watching this, it'll be like a week out anyway. Um, you know, we'll have the whole projections and numbers. And here's what I'll say: it is fun. It gives me a uh, strong Shazam slash. Uh, I mean, it's it it's a it gives me like they're shooting for the Shazam vibe. Okay. Um, but I feel like they lean into the racial ethnic culture vibe more than Black Panther does. Hmm. Um, but on a comical sense where black Panther really did say, Hey, this is going to be something that, you know, it's a good representation. It's a good, you know, let's look at this cultural thing. This literally comes across like somebody gave George Lopez money and said, make a far out comedy. (laughs) Because if, if if this is George Lopez, existing in the mar in the marvel universe with money um is what this feels like and because i'll say this this feels more like uh the george lopez show in the mcu than the dcu um where i mean that's the thing and like george lopez obviously like kind of stole the show as a supporting character um where he's the um ratchet latino uncle that's also alfred <laughs> okay um is basically george lopez's role he's uh, a hispanic man with a mullet that uh solves all of jaime's problems um and but i mean it was good it was very it, it felt very shazammy um like if you took shazam spider-man and uh the George Lopez show and put them together. <laughs> okay. I don't, and, hate, I don't hate that. No. Was it fun? Absolutely. Was it logically grounded? Not all the time. <laughs> um, I heard that. And uh, one thing I will say is that Harvey um, Gillum, who is Guillermo in uh, what we do in the shadows. Yes. He uh, uh, plays Susan Sarandon's sidekick. Which and let's just pause and when you've got Susan Sarandon as your top baddie, uh, just being evil for like zero reason for her to be that evil, <laughs> like she makes Cruella look like a PETA campaign. <laughs> Oof. Oof, and like I bet she's just malicious for malicious sake. And here's the here's the thing: I believe all good villains have to believe they're the hero. Yes. You don't believe this. Oh, okay. You believe, okay, act like the bad guy. Go. And, you know, that being said, was it fun? Yes. Would I watch it again? Most likely. Um, Was it, did I literally clap the first time I saw the word OMAC in like a background thing? Absolutely. Um, You get references to the classic Blue Beetle. The Blue Beetle is an existing DC character in their world. Okay. Um, so Ted Cord version, Ted Cord version, yeah. Um, but Ted Cord version has been missing from the face of the planet for like eight years, okay, to ten years. Um, and it's Booster Gold's fault, could p- potentially. It's at least Skeet's fault. Potentially, Skeet's also, fault. also, if you are debating on this, there is two post credit scenes. Only stay for the first one. Huh. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. All right. James Gunn. 
That's it. That's all I got. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, James Gunn has been talking about the new Wonder Woman show that's coming up on Max, um, which is called, I had to look it up, Paradise Lost. Yes, which is an Amazonian kind of like backstory prequel kind of thing. So I think that's kind of the vibe of it. And he's like, it's great. It's cool. But you absolutely need to go and read Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, which came out in collected edition back in June of this year. And I don't remember it. So thanks, James. Um, I saw it. I may have even I picked up an issue. It might have been the magazine size one. Yeah, it's a black label out. size book. Yeah, it's a black label. Um, but he's like. A, it's like one of the best things that's been written in a while, and it's Kelly Sue DeConnick, so I guess I missed it. My bad. Um, and yeah, no, actually, it's a really good creative team, but you can grab that at your shop or on the Amazon and other places for a fairly affordable thing. But James is like, no, seriously, this is like where a lot of this concept came from so that we can tell this story of kind of the Amazon's history, you know, before we get Wonder Woman, while we're getting Wonder Woman, et cetera. So if you're looking forward to that and you want to get ready, here, read this. Or just read Wonder Woman Dead Earth because it's still the best. Because it's still really great. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no lies. Uh, so now I'm going to hurt Hector's feelings. Um, it's that part of the day. It's that part of the day. Congratulations, folks. Before we get to talk about the things that Hector was excited about, we get to tear him down in public. Um, Yay. It's the church. Aw. <laughs> Truth. Truth hurts. Um, so Batman Hush and Hector have a long-term relationship. Um, <laughs> Hector's giving this look because he might not have read the notes. and he's I like, did oh, not God. read the notes. Oh, you're about to be highly disappointed. No. Um, so in the Batman and Robin series, which did a issue and then kind of went to sleep before Night Terror started, yeah, they're going to introduce a new character, a new villain that's going to feel very familiar. And her name, are you ready for this? Is it something Elliot? Is it Tommy Elliot's? Like, do you, do you need do you need to sit down? I'm not going to get shorter. So go ahead. Her villain name is Shush. Yeah, all that dead air is exactly what I expected. And that sound right there. There you go. Um, she's got the bandaged face and everything. And we don't know anything about her except that she's named Shush and is going to be very familiar. Air quotes. And this is in Batman and Robin? I believe in issue two is when Shush makes appearance. Let me double check because the internet is here. And, you know, like the key art of it even is. <laughs> Do you watch and wrestling right now? I don't. It's that's another thing that one piece and wrestling are like the two things that apparently people want me to do more than drugs. Um, so, no, there's a, there's a whole stable of characters right now that just go. Shoosh. <laughs> so when you said that, that's all I heard was like, oh, no. there's this terrible I mean, it's not terrible, but there's a guy who's very Kurt Angle like in his performance, and he just goes, shoosh. And uh, that I was say, I'm sorry, the new Batman and Robin series hasn't dropped yet. I thought the first issue. No, it up, hasn't but... yet. That's so, yeah, it's coming, and it's going to be the second issue. Um, October 10th, we'll finally get to see who's um, writing it. Stand by. Um, I think it's Williamson, if I remember, because, you know, he's their boy right now. He's not bad at being their boy. No, um, I thought this said up front. I'm pretty sure it's Williamson. Wow. I'm going with Williamson. I'm pretty sure it is. So that's a thing. And we'll find out. Oh, actually, one of these covers has big bats. So I wonder if, you know, man bat's going to be in there, too. So that's almost more exciting. No, this is exciting. This is just sad now. <laughs> well, now that I've ruined Hector's day, let's talk about some comics. Yay. Yay. So that's what we've got for you. Uh, that's what you need to know. Our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering you the insider knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with us on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community, but also the Love Thy Nerd 
uh, Discord, where Hector probably talks more than I do now. So that's just weird. But here we are. Um, you can join us there. You can tell us what you loved, what you hated, probably some of the things we missed because, well, lots of stuff happens. And we are but two humble pastors that look at random comic book things on a biweekly basis. Uh, so let us know what we missed, uh, what you loved, what you hated, all that good stuff. And we just want to hear from listeners like you. I posted my favorite panels yesterday. And somebody, uh, and I'll look up their name because I want to give them a shout out. But like, there you go. Uh, somebody's like, man, Night Terrors is the best. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, God bless you. <laughs> yeah. And also with you. And also with you. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. This week in Nerd History, August 21st through the 27th. August 21st. In 1998, Blade released. Blade tells the story of a half-human, half-vampire hero who fights against a powerful vampire lord and his army of bloodsuckers. This film is based on a Marvel Comics character and stars Wesley Snipes as Blade, the ultimate vampire hunter. Also in 1998, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six released on PC. This tactical first-person shooter video game series by Ubisoft, based on the novel of the same name by Tom Clancy, puts players in the role of elite counter-terrorist operatives from a secret international organization called Rainbow. August 22nd. In 2001, Strong Bad Emails was born. This popular web cartoon series from the world of Homestar Runner featured a sarcastic and witty Mexican wrestler named Strong Bad, who answers fan emails in hilarious and often absurd ways. This series gave birth to pop culture favorites Tro Door, Teen Girl Squad, and Limousine. The first Strong Bad email was titled Some Kind of Robot and featured Strong Bad answering an email from a fan who asked if he was a robot. Strong Bad denied being a robot and proceeded to mock the sender's poor grammar and spelling. August 23rd. In 2007, Chris Messina, who worked as a developer for Google and Uber, suggested using the hash symbol followed by a word or phrase to group and sort messages on Twitter in a tweet. This was the origin of the hashtag. August 25th. In 1997, GoldenEye 007 released on the Nintendo 64. This classic first-person shooter game was based on the James Bond film of the same name and featured realistic graphics at the time, varied gameplay, and a groundbreaking multiplayer mode that allowed up to four players to compete in different scenarios. It is widely considered one of the best and most influential video games ever made. August 26th. In 1991, a special wedding ended the WWF SummerSlam pay-per-view. The wedding of Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth was a memorable event that marked the culmination of their on-screen romance and the celebration of their real-life marriage, which had taken place seven years earlier. It was dubbed A Match Made in Heaven by announcer Gene Okerlund, and it featured a lavish ceremony, a star-studded guest list, and a heartfelt exchange of vows. In 2001, Mario Kart Super Circuit released. This fun and challenging racing game for the Game Boy Advance features eight Mario characters, 40 tracks, various items and modes, and the ability to play with friends using a link cable. August 27th. In 1964, Mary Poppins released. This musical fantasy film tells the story of a magical nanny who arrives at the Bank family's home in London and takes their children on a series of whimsical adventures with her friend Bert, a street performer. In 2020, Bill and Ted faced a music release in theaters, despite the COVID-19 pandemic still causing issues. This American science fiction comedy film follows the titular duo as they travel through time and the afterlife to meet their future selves, save their daughters, and join forces with various historical and musical figures in order to create the song that will save reality from collapsing and fulfill their destiny laid out in the first movie. For more nerdy facts about the topics we shared today, find our companion article for this week on lovethynerd.com. I'm Radio Matt, and I'll see you next time for more Nerd History. You are listening to The Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. All right. Well, let's, let's get to the fun stuff then. Um... What out of the sparse pickings on your shelf did it make into your polls? I see some things that look familiar and I just straight up give you Daredevil every week because I figure I can find something third party yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. But 
Um, Daredevil is probably the conversation for today, right? Daredevil is a chunky bit of the conversation, I'd say. Um, yeah, because I was actually impressed. Um, I didn't quite expect some of the stuff that ended up in that um, that I thought was kind of cool, kind of creative. Yeah. Kind of curious how it's going to finish. I think that was the finish. Is it? There's a new series yeah, no. starting. Yeah, it's it just felt. Well, I mean, if they pick up there or if they just take a hard left turn. I think that uh, I think that was the farewell into the sunset, but we'll get there. Okay. Yep. No, um, go for it. Uh, let me just read this comment. Joel Robert uh, there you go. commented on uh, my panels. Night Terrors has been one of the best events they've had for a while. For me, it's as good as Night of, uh, Night of the Owls. So, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. That's a, um, that's a hot take. Now, uh, this is this is additional. I'm going to increase the quality of your life. Duh. For all of our <laughs> listeners. and um, Here we are. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> quality of your life about to go up. Um, for all of our listeners, do you have a Panera near you? Yeah. Okay. I actually have two between me and home. Okay. So here's what I'd like uh, to point out to you. Do you ever struggle to transport your comics in a safe fashion? Oh, always. Always. Because yeah. they get wrinkled, they get your corners bent and all these things. Well, yeah, dear, even if you bag in boredom, it can be very difficult. Transportation is a difficulty. Yeah. So, valued pull listeners, uh, I got yeah. you. Ready? Got Stop you, by your local Panera because <gasps> their pizza boxes what? perfectly fit your comics and they're free. And if you notice, this sign says, bring on the cheese. <laughs> Which appropriately fits everything yes. we do with not only this podcast, but also the quality of most comics as of late. Um, but, ready? Open that bad boy up. Show yeah. me how good it is. Look how good that is. No, That is better than a diamond shipping box. That is what? better than a diamond shipping box. <laughs> so if you swing by your local Panera and you pick up a free pizza box from the checkout counter, uh, you've got a solid comic storage unit that will fit in your backpack. Um, and you can bring the shows for signatures and everything. Yes. Uh, oh, BCW is never going to be a f- sponsor now. Um, but <laughs> I just wanted to point that out because uh, that's worked out real well for me. Um, Panera, hit us up. We will drink your coffee and eat your pizzas. <laughs> Tell I'm people a Panera to every up day. Their, um, their comic book, their I'm, comic book delivery system from Panera. Uh, I'm gonna tell you what didn't make my pull. Uh, the new X Men. Okay. Uh, I tried a number one, so let me put that out there. Hey, I so throwing in there. I read on Canny Avengers number one, same concept. Yeah, didn't make the list. <laughs> I think this isn't. Is this Uncanny Avengers? Um, it depends. Open that bad boy up. Yeah, it starts out with like, yes, yeah, this is Uncanny Avengers. Yeah, that uh, that one was close, but not for me too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. So I tried that, but they got me on the uh, revi- revitalizing the Jim Lee cover. Yeah. No. The. Everything Marvel right now ties into the X Men stuff, so you're either into it or you're not, yeah. or you're reading Daredevil like us. <laughs> yes, and so that's what threw me off. But yeah, yep. I mean, I enjoyed a, I enjoyed the Deadpool and Cap back and forth in that, and that was about it. I did enjoy, and the fact they were teamed together. Um, so let's hit, yeah. let's hit Daredevil. Let's do it. Um, Daredevil fourteen, uh, fourteen, fourteen picks up with a. Uh, uh, by this point, we've already read the things we know the things uh daredevil killed himself uh to be able to go to hell the bad place um to be able to actually physically fight some demons in a cool white outfit where he pulled swords from his or he turned his horns into actual horns kind of looked like loki for a second um all the things but he lots lots of light imagery yeah um, darkness and light was a big thing for a couple issues, but he yep. uh, traveled himself to the nether regions and whooped up on some place. demons to f- literally. And I'm like, <laughs> where's that one passage of scripture? That's like where he went into the depths to free those who were captured. Um, mm-hmm. He literally did this of yep. where he went down into hell to free foggy stick and everybody else that the, um, fist and the hand had captured their souls because of what they had done and Mephisto probably and Mephisto. Um, and then the issue ended the pr- last issue ended with all of those people walking naked out of hell. And yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of jarring. And then also just like, 
Like nothing happened jumping into this issue and Foggy being like back at work. That's like my two cents on the front end of this. I was like, homeboy took that real easy. (laughs) Yeah. So this issue (laughs) takes place six months later, correct? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, There was a block of time. It's it does the comic book thing. Which is also why I was saying that this isn't going to matter because they're not even trying to be in the Marvel timeline right now. Um, No. Yeah, there's no X creatures doing anything. Yeah. Captain Krakoa, by the way. Um, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's where I'm at with that one, too. It's like, hey, the Hellfire Gala happened. Cool. And? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why do I care about this ball, this prom? I never get to get dance with. Um, but <laughs> Nerd prom went really bad, fam. <laughs> uh, but all this to say, it's been six months later. Uh, Foggy's back at work. Uh, his cop friend is back at work. Yep. And... Electra is out being Daredevil again. Uh, Wilson Fisk's son is Kingpin. All this to say, what makes this issue good and what makes this issue pull-worthy is the fact that six months later, where we're left to assume Matt Murdock is physically dead and in eternal uh, not happy times. Um, The bad place. Yeah, because I've said hell too many times for the quota. Um, Bad place. (laughs) That Electra here's a heartbeat, whatever else. And we're revealed to find, uh, moderate spoilers, but not really. No, I mean, it is, but it's, it shouldn't surprise anyone. No, that, uh, Matt Murdock is alive. Razzle dazzle. Um, (laughs) and he is living as a priest in hell's kitchen, uh, doing priestly works. And, uh, doing the work of the Lord without killing people or beating people up. Um, and the, it, it ends on a cliffhanger, which is why I think this is riding into the sunset. They have mm-hmm. Electra and daredevil have their conversation of don't, I know you pitter patter. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, she's like, are you happy? He said, no, but I'm content. And I think that's as much as we can hope for. And she says, I hope to be content. And like, it's like they say their goodbyes. And then as he's walking down the street, he hears someone getting mugged and he's like, Oh yep. no, I might need to fight someone. And yeah. And it just kind of ends there. And I think if this ends, cause I know there's a new series that's starting, um, sure. because I had to change over my pull at the shop. Um, hmm. they said, uh, there's a new numbering and startup. Do you want that? And so I said, yeah. Um, but, uh, Let me give you the the hint on that one. Yes, yes, I would. Um, <laughs> at least the first couple. Um, yep. I did not read Daredevil and Echo. Um, no. And I don't think many people other did, which does not bode well for the potential Marvel series. Well, that's the thing is, um, well, I think I heard that they already pushed the date on it. Yeah. So that's just issues in general, but. If the next Daredevil creative team manages to mess it up, it means that you and I will stop reading after almost five straight years. Yeah. Yeah, fair. That's the part that makes my head hurt. So that's why I'm like, you actually have very big shoes to fill here because Daredevil has been that solid, at least, for that period of time, which is a pretty long time in current comic book standards. Minus the prison arc, I think. Yeah, the prison arc was (laughs) almost got me. Minus the prison arc, Daredevil has been a consistent read for five years. Yeah. Yep. So there's that. Throw that in there. I'll sit this there on my go. handy dandy uh, Panera pizza box. Um, the Panera comic book delivery system. There we go. Um, uh, second, and I did, I'll say this I struggled for pulls this week. Um, uh, Same. Uh, but Superman Night Terror is number two. Um, okay. And uh, this one is simply uh, for the fact it's uh, Clark and uh, the new Power Girl, which, by the way, if you're not familiar uh, with the Dawn of DC, Power Girl's different now. She's a different person, different past, different all the things. See this? Yeah. Yeah. Shocked face. But you know what else she is? She is moderately dressed. (laughs) Modestly dressed. (laughs) Hey, look. Put some clothes on. Yeah. Good. It's like, <laughs> close that window, young lady. Um, <laughs> um, she looks more like Captain Marvel than she does Power Girl. Um, yeah. Which I d- 
don't know if that's a win or a loss for them. Um, but it is Josh Williamson, uh, but it is good. It is well-written Superman, which is not surprising to me these days. Uh, no. That in the night, Tara's world, that Lois Lane's living nightmare is a blank page. <laughs> it's a stack of paper shaped like a monster because she's scared of a blank page. It's straight, it's straight up writer's block. Yeah. And uh, uh. when Superman shows up in her nightmare, she's like, he's like, you're scared of a stack of paper. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, it's a blank page. And she said, before you got here, I killed a deadline. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's so good writing, good Superman moments, good hopeful stuff. Um, there's a, if you look at the panels that I posted, one of them literally sounds like Joshua Williams tried to quote Ted Lasso through Superman, like in terms <laughs> of his panels. And uh, I was like, okay, hold on. I'm going to read this one panel. Um Tell me if this is not the most Ted Lasso Superman thing ever. I'm not afraid of the unknown. It pays to be curious and excited by what you don't know. That's pretty Ted Lasso. That's pretty Ted Lasso. Um, Let's be a goldfish. Yeah. Um, So there's that. Um, I've been talking about the book Neighbors since its inception. It's a boom book. Yep. Um, Boom. uh, It dealt with some stuff that, uh, you know, I don't think has been covered in comics before. In terms of, you know, gender and things like that. Um, But it also does it in a very creative horror vibe. But this is definitely one that uh, there is a strong undertone. uh, Not quite heavy handed, but very clearly it's a it's a chunky hand message of um, like you can't always trust your neighbors and the people around you. Um, so like the, the message of the book is not everybody's safe. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it flips the coin on what you might've thought it was where it was going with stuff. Um, oh, interesting. But I will say that in a terms of creative horror, uh, masterpiece, um, in terms of social commentary, also well done. Um, this is not going to be everybody's flavor. Um, the art style is very boomish. Um, the art style reminds me a lot of... Um, I don't even know, man. Uh, it looks like things I've seen from Boom before. But at the same time, not things I'm disappointed in seeing. Uh, it's only... The story's over. So it's a five-issue story. Um, so uh, Neighbors might be something you want to check out when it drops in trade. Um, but it's another boom thing I thoroughly enjoyed. Nice. Uh, Night Terrors number three uh, was also on my pulls. And here's the thing. I enjoy Dead Man. Or, like, you haven't read, been reading Night Terrors proper. Nope. Like, okay. Um, Night Terrors proper has been uh, the kind of the big overbroad book. But it has uh, the main storyline currently is... Boston brand dead man in Batman, a zombie Wesley Dodds. <laughs> like they brought Sandman, yeah. Wesley Dodds back from the dead. Um, and Damien is Damien's the worst, uh, as them together. That's the main core of, uh, this issue of them traveling together and they're still in search of the nightmare stone. But this book is actually interesting to read. This book is actually, uh, you get some of, uh, insomnia's backstory um where he's just a psychopath and everything with it um but it gets pretty grotesque um in his origin ish story Mm. so we know that um chip sadarsky's been writing batman right um and like in a lot of ways you can substitute uh daredevil for chip sadarsky's batman in their storytelling Sure. Um, there comes a point where once they're induced into an intentional slumber that uh, uh, dead man has his own version of Batman. <laughs> um, and it looks like Chip Sadarsky riding Batman, because let me give you this. It looks like the daredevil um, Batman combo. We all read. <laughs> Like, legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. 
That <laughs> is what Chip Zdarsky's Batman reads like. That right there. That sounds yeah. That sounds right. Um, so that was worth a pull just in itself. Um, just for that. I moment. mean, his randomness in a bunch of books are my favorite. Like, still, Peter Parker talks to a spider is my all time favorite. <laughs> random Zadarskyism in the middle of a book. It's it furthers the story. If you've been enjoying that story, check it out. Um but check check it out. It was solid in that. And so I'm down to uh all of my stuff except my number one so on let's go. Oh, wait also all right. Hmm? No. I sketched you while you were talking. This will be it's available crispy. for auction on the uh pull yeah. list shop if you want a Drake looking sketch of Chris. Okay. <laughs> Dope. Sign it. Um, all right. So Chris is going to jump into the weird. So that shouldn't shock anybody. Um, a lot of you may or may not have seen this weird little thing on your, your shelves. I have it's not seen a, that at all. Yeah. So the reason is, is because it is technically an ash can and I'm kind of dumbfounded. I got one. Um, what but what's mean? cool Ashcan is, it's a preview of a book that's coming. Usually they're smaller. Ashcans usually are, they used to literally be smaller cut examples of comics that literally would get thrown out, hence Ashcan, um, to test prints. And it kind of became a collector's thing because if they made it out of a production company, um, they were super rare. Now, some places will do limited runs of them as introductions to books, but basically to try to get people to buy them. And they're usually not completely finished. So this is probably sketch art versus final art, but I wouldn't hate it if it is. Um, and it's usually only part of the story. So halfway through the book kind of gives you the first cover um, and then a bunch of concepts of characters. So there's some cool things. So it looks like it's going to have kind of a cool watercolor vibe to it. But here's the thing. This is a boom book. Uh, it's called Rare Flavors. And the setup in this is this dude that's traveling somewhere writing a letter to one of his people back in his restaurant basically being like i'm sorry i have to do this i know you run the restaurant great and everything i'm having this meeting with this really good videographer he meets this guy and the guy's like i don't know why you want me here but you offered me a stupid amount of money and he's like i'm gonna make a documentary and the guy's like cool i just told you i don't really do this anymore and he's like i got lots of money you just have to follow me around and he's like dope and <laughs> the really uncomfortable part of this is there's a really long internal dialogue taking place in the setup of this. But the end of it is basically, uh, most importantly, uh, are you listening to me, good friend? Uh, I have the most discerning of palate when it comes to two things, people and flavors. And he's just hired a random kid to follow him around with a video camera. And I'm sitting here going, I have a bad feeling. I know what this, this book's is a about. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those super weird things of, but I want to know how this kicks off. And, or if that is the misdirection of a story that goes in a completely different direction. Like either way, it's like in terms of like marketing and setup. Okay. I now want to know if you're going to the really dark place <laughs> or what story you're telling here. It, I don't know. That I guess dude it's looks whole... like he would be played by Oliver Platt in a movie. Yeah. Like there's definitely a true crime documentary about this somewhere. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, well, that was a heck of a setup. So yeah, I'll be looking for it when it comes out. But what's really cool is they also referred to this as rare flavors and very at the bottom you'll see it's called the tasting menu which is usually a chef's introduction to their restaurant before opening and everything. And I was like, that's this creative. is just clever. Yeah, that's, this is clever and I'm going to reward clever every time. Numero dos in random things that Chris never brings to you. I am going to put a book in front of you from Archie horror. That's an Archie book fam. And it's called chilling adventures present strange science. It is a one shot from the chilling adventures uh, world. So all of your, a cross section of your favorite characters from Archie and Archie's chilling adventure, which includes Sabrina and all that other stuff. Um, this is kind of like a weird science in comic book form. 
there's weird time travel-y type stuff. It's got the Scooby-Doo vibes and like they literally say Schnikes like three or four times. And I'm like, I feel like that might be copyright infringement, but you know, you do you. Um, it's just fun. And I'm the guy that's going to go from possible cannibal books to the gang solves a mystery throughout time. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Also, it was really hard to find polls this week. Um, but that was a fun book. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it that it just kind of made me unplug for the time I, I read it and went, okay, I get it. Um, and it reminds me that Archie is like the, one of the next longest running imprints in comics and it still exists. <laughs> um, and there's a reason for that. So there you go. There's a reason for that. Next, I read some Marvel. So what if uh, Dark Moon Knight? I guess it shouldn't be shocking that I read something with Moon Knight in it. But the, I'm like, when is Dark Moon Knight not dark? So it's really ironic in this case because the story is actually about light. <laughs> and I was like, either you did that on purpose or my brain hurts. I'm not sure. But uh, Mark has a fight with a big bad of his that he almost died in the regular timeline. Because what if is usually when a major event diverges. Um, he, he gets whacked instead and his longtime girlfriend basically is like, no. And, you know, Mark dies, um, like dies, dies. And Conchu's like, well, that sucks. I lost my hand. Um, and at that point I'm like, cool, he's going to make her, you know, the next hand and whatever, cause dark. And she's kind of doing her thing in the apartment you know, morning Mark and everything and finds a statue of raw and Ra's like, got you fam. And she's like, can't you? And he's like, no, <laughs> the other one <laughs> and becomes an emissary of light for raw and looks like moon Knight, but has the raw symbol instead. Um, and just blasts darkness with light finds, you know, the dude that killed Mark and avenges and, ultimately dies herself to raw, but basically it's the whole counter balance of the light and dark sides of Kanshu and raw going back and forth and basically a revenge story. So it's not super creative, but at the same time, that's about all I want from a what if is okay. I see what you did there. Makes logical sense. And it was fun. Um, lots of moon Knight stuff and, and Frenchie is there the whole way. Um, so if you're all about that, then, you know, what if is what if can be very fun um, when Marvel does it right? What if can also be what on earth just happened? Thankfully, this was a well, that was entertaining. And now I don't ever have to think about it again. <laughs> Finally, I don't remember if I mentioned this book before. I think I've talked about it. Maybe I put it on my poll. I don't remember. Anyway, Void Rivals number three. So Kirkman's latest. I think I at least referenced it previously because it has a really weird Transformers crossover because Image now owns that license. So, sorry, you are now in spoiler territory that I no longer care about. It's been three issues, fam. <laughs> so you either know that this happened or you didn't. Um, this universe crosses over somehow with Transformers and Image is not being subtle about it. <laughs> Um, but it's a story that's adjacent and technically has nothing to do with Transformers except that they are present in this universe. Congrats. Um, it is, though, about two warring factions where two individuals from these factions end up wrecked on a planet and they have to find their way home. So they team up and find out that they're not that different, even though they've been raised to hate each other. Um and that's kind of been the story. And they just got back home and they're like, cool, what are we going to do? And somebody betrayed somebody. Comic books. But so far, it's pretty good. The art's really good. I want to know why we keep talking about Cybertron and, <laughs> and Transformers and it not being a Transformer book. So I'm kind of here for that too. It's literally image like, hey, we bought this. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we noticed. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey, fam! This is Hector Mira, and you're listening to Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio.
So Saturday I was set up at a Comic-Con and literally as soon as the show started, I felt absolutely terrible. I had a double ear infection percolating. Uh, my throat was starting to swell. I had no energy and I was in for like a eight hour day of trying to be myself and talk to people and be light and share the gospel and do all this stuff and I was struggle bussing and I thought I was putting on a pretty brave face in the process but apparently I absolutely failed at this prospect um, some folks that were frequent vendors and visitors uh, and came by my booth and said hey are you okay you, you doing all right and people wanted to know, make sure I was good and there was, you know, one couple that stopped by the booth and asked if there's anything they could do for me. And it's like, no, I'm okay. And they said, can we pray for you? And literally, uh, that was so refreshing to have somebody just stop and pray over me at my booth and pray over my mental and physical well-being because I was really struggling. And uh, then... A little bit later, one of the other vendors uh, stopped by and they brought me a Snorlax button. They said, we saw that you weren't doing so great. Wanted to bring this by and just, you know, be a blessing. And it was just really encouraging that people saw I was struggling and went out of their way when they didn't have to, to try and be an encouragement. And it's the exemplification of uh, Proverbs 11:25. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And I feel like I try often to be that, but that day those people were 100% that to me. And their bit of encouragement, their bit of joy, their bit of grace helped me get through a really, really hard day. And I truly pray and I thank God for sending them the way he did. And I hope God truly blesses their pants off or whatever apparel they're wearing politely. If you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai. And thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. So those are my top four, and I'll save my number one after you tell us now finally, 50 minutes and change later, why your number one isn't actually a number one, but it technically is a number one. Um, I got the, uh, Superman 2023 annual. There it is. But it's not numbered. <laughs> so yeah, technically in, in previews and other types of places, annuals typically are numbered number one, but they're almost never on the thing itself. Yeah. It's a weird ism because sometimes some lines will do more than one annual a year, which doesn't make them annual, but here we are. Um, <laughs> uh, and where this falls, if you've been reading the Williamson Batman, this literally does take place after issue six. So this is continuity to the story, but this is the first, this is the number one annual in the Williamson storyline. Um, so this gives you resolution to the live wire, live wire story, to the parasite story, uh, lay some groundwork for the Lex Luthor story, um, which was left on a cliffhanger in the previous issue. Um, the Madame Mirage stuff, this basically ties up well, all of, uh, what we've seen so far. Um, and this, I like it when an annual does that. Sometimes they do that. And sometimes it's the, here are all the stories I didn't tell this year, but here you go. And, uh, like, did you read this? I did not. Okay. So just for moderate spoilers and also just to kind of wet your whistles about potentially jumping on this one. Uh, this all that there's been some baddies that have been like, uh, pharma or something else, like some weird Marilyn Manson looking dude. That's mm. been Lex Luthor's 
uh, replacement, so to speak, in the storyline. Somebody that's been even manipulating Superman and Lex. Um, uh, they have uh, Lobo captured. Okay. And okay. Uh, choices. And so they are experimenting on Lobo. So that's going to go well. Um, sure will. Uh, it, it looks like we're getting an introduction to Brainiac and the possible uh, teasing of a bottle city of uh, Cesarnia, which if you're hmm. nerdy enough to know what that means, yeah, uh, I'll leave that to you. So you can either Google that or if you know what it means, but it appears that Brainiac has a bottle city of Cesarnia. Huh. Okay. Which changes a whole storyline thing. So that was that. What about you? All right. So my wife has noticed something in my polls lately because she's been doing it too. Image books. <laughs> and I guess it's because, I mean, speculators are like, buy all the number ones of image because they might, you know, become the next walking dead. But the rest of us are like just really weird, interesting stories get told over at image. Um, and this one's called the coal and it is hyper-realistic art, which for some reason I just enjoy in certain contexts. And this is one of them, um, about basically a small group of folks that sound like they're shooting like, a something for like film school kind of thing. Cause they're all getting up like at three in the morning and they're like, I'm doing this so I can get the right lighting and everything. And we're doing this. But what's really crazy is this splash page is at the beginning of it. That's a Kaiju. <laughs> yeah. Um, the rest of the story doesn't talk about Kaiju at all. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, something just happened there. Noted. Um, just the end of the book is they basically it. Are you familiar with hollow earth theory? <laughs> um, if you've been watching any universal monster movie that you are, but um, they're basically in a cave and they come out on the other side and they find something that, you know, is not here. <laughs> um, and that's the setup. I have a feeling the title bodes poorly. <laughs> Or just about everybody involved. But I guess they lost a friend during like what they thought was a riptide event on the coast or something. Because this is like they're they're at the coast and they're going to film something. And we got that picture of random kaiju at the beginning. Um, oh, I didn't even catch this before. Yeah. Like earlier, they have pictures, missing posters of their friend. Like they don't even talk about this. I just caught it. Um so there you go. I think it's Kaiju. I think it's missing people. I think it's there's something in the middle of the earth. Um, all of those things. But it's another one of those. I'll read issue two because of what you gave me. And so I'm down for it. I'm all about it. This excites. That and I like Kaiju. And side late news. Um, Universal Monsters has announced that they're doing a show with Apple Plus Godzilla. that is act that's actually going to tell the story of Monarch, which is the government agency that was created to tie all these things together. So we see Monarch throughout all the movies and technically Skull Island. We see the creation of Monarch, but then they never tell us anything about it. They're going to give us 10 episodes that cross three generations of Monarch people that served in Monarch, um, basically building up the program and searching for all the Kaiju uh, across the world and I'm just super happy that Universal has a rebuilt the monster universe and that so far it's pretty good. <laughs> so if you've not been those guys and you've slept on all of them, I think almost all of them are available on streaming. Go all the way back to Kong Skull Island. Um, and I forget which specific Godzilla one is actually part of this because we remade Godzilla like four times in the 2000s. <laughs> Only one of them is tied to it. <laughs> What's well, the starting with the one with uh, Brian Cranston? Yes. No, that's the correct one. Yeah. Um, and then we get Skull Island and then King of the Monsters, Godzilla versus Kong and onward and upward. So if you're about that jam, then 
you're welcome. Go, go do that. And then read a book that might be about Kaiju, but probably not those Kaiju. That's my jam. That's the podcast. It happened. All right. That's it. That's going to do it for us here at the Polis podcast. Episode 89 is now in the books and in your ears and possibly your eyeballs if you've actually been watching us on YouTube. And if you have, well, congratulations. You get to see our smiling faces occasionally and, well, are not, well, our know, early morning we faces. We do, we do silliness over here. It's wacky times. Um, it's true. We are on YouTube, so you can catch these uh, in visual as much as you can in your ears. So don't, you know, check that out, but don't leave us hanging. Rate, review the show. That type of stuff helps. Five stars all around. Because uh, a logarithms are something. I don't know. They tell me to do that. But we can't possibly take this journey alone. Uh, we are alongside a bunch of other podcasts over on the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. You can check this out at lovethynerd.com. Hector just launched his stuff over there as well. So the Faith and Phantom podcast is now simulcast in true HD on LTN Radio and the LTN uh, podcast network. So... You know, go find yourself another show, or if you just want to listen to Hector 24-7, there's now plenty of opportunities for you to do so. Uh, But that's going to do it for us here. Thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read read more more comics. comics. I'm going to take all...